Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Well, good afternoon, good early evening to anyone who may actually be listening to me live. Look, I know it's Friday, December the 29th, 2023. I know it's really kind of the kickoff to another holiday weekend. You've got plans, you've got parties, you've got get-togethers, you've got traveling, you've got food, you've got everything planned out. I know you probably don't want to hear a discussion about theology, but... Here I am. If you are interested, hopefully it will be beneficial. But yes, welcome everyone. It is Friday, December the 29th, 2023. It is currently 5.39 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where just about 15 minutes ago, a great tragedy took place. A great tragedy took place about 15 minutes ago. See, right underneath my window, right behind me, right, you have my front yard, and then, I mean, and then right next to my front yard is the neighbor's yard. And the neighbor's yard has become, I, I guess, the neighborhood park for all the kids. All the kids come to the neighbor's yard because they have a, a, a tire swing. So all the kids in the neighborhood come to that tire swing, right? And they they love to sit there and then they talk and they play they play in the driveway. They they just they're just that, that's where they hang out. Now they used to kind of hang out a little bit more in my yard, but then there was a little bit of controversy because the kids kind of went from my yard right down the alley and right behind my house, right behind my fence is this like big metal fence because uh, everything behind that metal fence is Taylor Electric, the electric company for this uh, part of the country. Well, the kids had walked down the alley and they had they had taken like smashed bricks and rocks and the alley was filled. And it's like a, a metal kind of, it's a cement alley. It's not like, you know, dirt. And, but they had smashed all of these rocks and then they were taking the broken rocks and pounding them against the, the fence for Taylor Electric. So we kind of called them out and well, there was damage done. So we had to contact the cops and, and well, I'll put it this way, the kids. And I think the parents in the neighborhood was like, nope, stay away from that yard. So instead of coming into our yard, they've chosen the neighbor's yard. Right. And so that's where they've been playing for the last couple of days. And, and, and I can hear all of their conversations and, oh, they were having a theological conversation about what a Christian is or what a Christian isn't. So that was an interesting conversation to hear the kids talking about that. So that was fun. But they kept messing around with this tire swing, just kept messing with it. And all of a sudden, the tire swing broke. (laughs) So then uh, at least the girls, the boys that were present, they all ran and (laughs) they went and hid. I don't know where the boys went. They all just ran in separate ways. But the girls, I guess, felt like, okay, we have to do the right thing. So the girls went and told their uh, parents. And so a father came down, looked at the tire swing and I'm just sitting here in the studio. I'm listening to all of this happening and I'm watching the situation. I'm like, you know, I really would just like to go live. It's what I really would like to do. I would really just like to go live. Could you be quiet? But so, so then he looked at it and he's like, okay, maybe next Saturday I can fix this. So he went to the door of the neighbor to knock because he was going to have to tell him, hey, my kids broke your tire swing, but the neighbors are gone. <laughs> so, so they all walked away. They 
walked away. What started as a fun Friday for all the kids in the neighborhood, it turned into, well, a little bit of now, oh no, are we in trouble? Now the tire swing is broke. But it always supposed to be something fun, right? The tire swing. Now it's been baffling to me because it was just Christmas. Like, did these kids get toys? Did, did they get any, like if they got Christmas presents, they're all just, I don't know, the Christmas presents are just sitting in their room collecting dust because all the kids want to be on the tire swing. That's where the excitement is. That's where the fun is. So so they've been here playing on the tire swing. But this something that was something so good, something that could have been so much fun, now it's just hanging there <laughs> broken. And uh, yeah, I don't know how that will play out. I don't know if the kids will now have to find another house to move to, but they, wherever they go, destruction follows them. But the point is, it was something good. It was supposed to be something fun. And it turned into something negative. Now, I'm going to use that and transition over to a point that I want to make. Sometimes, the Word of God, the Bible, Scripture, turns, even though it's supposed to be something good, right? This is the inspired and errant word of God. It is written to, to our, to be our, you know, our light, to be our lamp. It is for spiritual food. It's our spiritual nourishment of all the good things that are supposed to arise from the scriptures. Sadly, sometimes we miss the good. We miss the benefit because it just becomes a source of conflict. It becomes a source of something bad. And this person is saying, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. It becomes arguments and debating. And you're not a Christian and you're not a Christian and you're a heretic and you're a heretic. And it just becomes a source of, well, I hate to say it. You just kind of walk, want to walk away and say, it doesn't matter. And sometimes that's very depressing that that occurs. Something that should be so good turns into something so negative and something so bad. People just fight and argue instead of saying, wait a minute, this scripture has something good for us. No, they're wrong. No, you're wrong. They're wrong. I'm right. No, they're and just And you just kind of just like, never mind, guys, never mind. I just wanted to talk about the powerful scripture that we have here. Well, as many of you know, we are following the historical lectionary. Now, we also have, just don't forget, we also have our Sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge for 2024. Don't forget that. And you can mix these two things together if you so desire, right? Because if you know the lectionary readings, all you need to do is take one of the lectionary readings, do a search on the Sermons 2.0 app, find a random sermon, don't look, just pick one, and then listen, and then you're doing the Sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge, and you're following the historical lectionary, and you're doing them both at the same time. So you do merge the concepts, but we are following the lectionary. So er, I think it was early this morning, I may have been late last night, I don't remember, I looked at the lectionary readings for today, and as soon as I saw one of them, I was like, oh, man, not that, not that, because to talk about it just gets into the never-ending debate and fight. Lordship salvation sees it this way. No, non-lordship people see it this way. Catholics see another way. And it's like, so if I even talk about it, I got to talk about the debates and I got to talk about the fights. And I got to pick a theological side and I have to defend one and argue against the other. And I'm, and I thought, 
do I really want to do that? So I, so I was already a little frustrated because of the passage itself, or at least for one of the readings. So I kind of just set it aside. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go do the sermon challenge. We've done two hours of broadcasting today about what the sermon from the sermon challenge, all the Bible versus uh, uh, replacement theology. Been, I think, great discussion. But then I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go back to the reading one more time. So I was up in the studio and I could not broadcast because, well, of all of the drama happening underneath the the window of the studio. So I just kind of... I just kind of set it aside, and then I'm like, well, let me look at the readings. Let me look at the readings for today. All right, okay, and I have, well, the first reading today, interesting, it's not from the Old Testament. It's from a reading from the first letter of St. John, as the lectionary puts it. 1 John chapter 2. Now, of course, when I saw originally that it was 1 John, you can see why then I would be like, oh boy, here we go. 1 John, it's a test book. No, it's not a test book. It's a test about fellowship. No, it's a test about salvation. And if you fail the test, then you're not saved. Well, that would be saved by works. No, you're not saved by works, but your works prove that you're saved. So you have to work, have to do the works in order to be saved. Oh, it never ends. Just fight, fight, fight. No, it's a polemic against Gnosticism. I don't know what you're talking about. And then it just goes on. And and I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. So, but because I was up here, and because all of this controversy was going on behind me, I'm like, well, let me just read 1 John chapter 2. So I grabbed my Bible, I picked it up, and I read these words, 1 John 2, 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You can see where all the debate, and then it, the idea is what does know mean? Is know a salvific term or is know just meaning in an intimate way? That I, I have close fellowship. And then we can get into a discussion about that. But I'm like, okay, whatever. He that saith I know him and keep not his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him. Well, that's trouble because we have to keep his commandments. We have to keep all of them. We have to keep them perfectly, exactly, and perpetually. So we're already in trouble. Okay. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. All right. Again, raises serious questions. So immediately I asked, I'm like, I don't want to read this. I don't want to get into this. And then I read these words. He that saith he abide in him ought, to, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Then we get to this really confusing part, really perplexing. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which you have from the beginning. The, oh, let me read this again. All right, First John 2, 7. Let me read it again. Brethren. I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. Now, wait a minute. I write no new commandment, but then in verse 8, again, a new commandment I write unto you. So is it new or is it old? Is it old or is it new? I what, what is going on here? It seems really odd, right? But let, let's at least try to figure out what this commandment is referring to, right? So I write no new commandment because the commandment is old and you've had it from the beginning. But yet I'm going to write a new commandment. I write unto you, which thing is true in him, in you, because the darkness is past and the true light is uh, light now shineth. 
He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even unto now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So we have a, a, a passage that is used to throw people out of the kingdom of God and say, you're not saved, you're not saved, you're not saved. But if you really looked at it, then I don't know who's saved because you're supposed to keep the command. Oh, we could get into a whole fight about that. Then we have the no new commandment, but I write a new commandment. So is it new? Is it not new? We have that whole thing to discuss. But what we miss in all of it is this is about not hating your brother but loving them. Now, it is sad that a passage about loving others becomes a source of never-ending theological battle where we accuse people of other things and throw people out of the kingdom of God. We miss the love for the debate. We miss the love for the disagreement. We miss the love for the disunity. We miss the love trying to determine who's in or who's out. Now, those questions and those theological questions, I'm not saying they're not important, but in the midst of all of the theological disputes and debates, we need to stop and go, wait a minute, this passage is challenging me on loving others. So I want to talk a little bit about loving others. And not necessarily try to answer and argue all of the never-ending theological disputes that arise from this. But I do want to at least try to address this. Is it new? Is it old? I want to at least try to address this. And I'm going to utilize at least one, one explanation. The commandment mentioned in 1 John 2, 8 is referred to as both old and new. They quote from the NIV, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old commandment is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing a new commandment. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the light, the true light is already shining. In this passage, the apostle John is addressing his audience as dear friends, indicating that he is not presenting anything entirely new. The old commandment refers to the foundational teaching they have received from the beginning of their faith. The commandment to love one another can be traced back to the Old Testament and is emphasized by Jesus during his ministry. So in one sense, it's old. This idea of loving others, loving your neighbor has really been a part of, it's, it's just kind of an idea that's been there over and over and over and over and over and over again. However, John also refers to a new commandment. A new commandment that he is writing about. This new commandment is not a novel concept but rather a renewed understanding of love in light of what Jesus has accomplished. Jesus exemplified perfect love through his sacrificial death on the cross and resurrection. This new commandment is rooted in his examples in his example and the transformative power of his love, which believers are called to imitate. 
So in summary, while the commandment to love one another is rooted in the Old Testament, John presents it as both old and new because it takes on a fresh significance and understanding a lot of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We have been told to love one another, but then it takes on a new understanding because now we understand love in this light. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now this idea of love takes on this completely new dimension because it now goes from just loving someone to that if you love someone, there is a sacrificial element to it. When we consider loving one another, there are some principles that emerge. For example, if you go to Matthew chapter 22, if you go to Matthew chapter 22, we know we read these words. Matthew chapter 22, start in verse 37. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Or we can go back to verse 34 for context. Matthew 22, 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, uh, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The greatest commandment is to love God and to love others. That is all, that is there. And so in that sense, that's already an old commandment. But see, see, when we get to something like 1 John, where it talks about love and, and we, we talk about, we, we, we so, we so forget it because we get caught up in the old and new. But go back to 1 John. Keep your hand in Matthew 22. Go back to 1 John. Let's go back to that passage. All right. Because this is important. All right. Please note. So we, we looked at that old and new. And just remember, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and you, because the darkness is past and true light now shineth. He that saith he is in light and hateth his brother is in darkness, but he that loveth his brother abideth in light. Now we can turn this into a never ending debate about lordship, non-lordship, saved, not saved. But here's the thing we have to remember. Whatever we want to do, the greatest commandment is for you to love God and love your neighbor. To be associated with Christ, to be associated with him, is to be associated with the idea that you do not hate, but you love. That is the that is the biblical idea. If you're going to be associated with Christ, if you're going to be associated with light, if you're going to be associated with his commandments, then what you should be concerned with, preoccupied with, bothered with, is am I loving others? And sadly, we are so preoccupied about a million other things. And they, we, we, we worry about this sin or this sin or this sin. It always gets elevated. You you look, look, people can be church disciplined for a million things. Rarely does anyone get church disciplined because they haven't loved God or loved their neighbor. Because we don't elevate love to, I think, its proper theological place. We put everything else before it. And so somehow, because we care about truth, and we care about doctrine, and we care about theology, and we care, care about hermeneutics, we don't care about love. 
Mark 12, 31. Mark 12, 31 adds something to this discussion, right? Because it's the same conversation. He says to love, uh, uh, Jesus answers, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is Mark 12. Look at verse 31, the end of verse 31. There is none other commandment greater than these. The absolute greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. It's absolutely the greatest, but guess what? We come to a passage like 1 John or many of these other passages. And it turns into theological disputes and debates. And if all we're doing is taking scripture and sometimes missing, we miss the point because we're so preoccupied with everything else. Do we actually love others? Do we actually love others? Today, I was watching a Christian webcast and they were playing videos of 2023, things that they've done in their ministry. And it showed them street preaching. And there was some guy, I don't know where they were at. There was some event. I don't know. They're out there yelling, screaming at people. And there's a guy dressed up like a hot dog. I don't know why he's dressed up like a hot dog. I have no idea. But they're yelling at him. And he's like, How, why should I take biblical advice for someone dressed up as a hot dog? And, and it's just this condescending. And then they, they play this little song, you know, I'm an Oscar Mayer wiener. And, and, and they're making fun of the guy dressed up like a hot dog. And I'm like, what? Where where is love in this video? Where you're out there supposedly preaching at these people, but where is love? You're dehumanizing. You're mocking the person. You made a video to mock, to humiliate someone. They supposedly you were there preaching. Were you preaching because you love the people, or you were there just because you wanted to? I don't know. Exalt yourself. I I, I remember many times at my in my church in Nebraska, I think it was Tuesday nights or Thursday nights, we had to go door to door. I loathed it. I, oh, there's just something about door to door. I cannot say, put me in a situation where I'm around a group of people and I can talk and I can evangelize. And it wasn't that I was opposed to evangelizing. I've told the story before. There was at one point, there were what, two, maybe two, three rows of, there were, there were, they weren't uh, pews. There were these chairs of all people who I'd worked with in the military who had made professions of faith and who were going, coming to the church, I'd basically almost filled up two or three rows of people that, of evangelism. Not, not because I was smart or because I was godly, just I, I, you put me working with people, we're going to have great spiritual conversations because that's natural. Knocking on someone's door, interrupting their supper, I just, I'm not good at that. But I had to do it. If I didn't do it, it was going to be some kind of problem, right? But I remember so many times when we would come back from our door-to-door adventures, and it was typically Christian men. I hate to say this. It was typically Christian. Oh, did you see their face? And when they made that comment, and I made this comment, and they said this, and I said, and it was almost like, you know, yeah, I showed them. And, and I sometimes wanted to say, are we knocking on the door because we love them? Are we knocking on the door because we want the thrill of confrontation? We want the thrill of showing them up. We want the thrill of out-debating them. If the greatest commandment is to love, then what we should do is judge our outing based on the love which we were able to demonstrate 
to those people. And I know what I'll hear. I'll get some Christian man like, and we show our love by telling them they're going to burn in hell and they're all heretics. Now, I got no problem understanding that we may have to tell them there is a God, there is holy, and there is judgment. But I don't know if you just pat yourself on the back and say, I showed them love by screaming at them. I've seen that in some uh, pride parades where you have a group of Christians there holding signs, you're going to burn in hell, and they're screaming at them, sodomite, sodomite, and you're like, whoa, what? Yeah, wow, you're showing so much love. Just, hmm. Now, I'm not saying justify sin. But if the greatest commandment is to love, when you debate someone, do you judge the success of your debate and you winning the argument? Or do you judge the debate in a way that you showed love to them? If we go to 1 John chapter 4. If we go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Love is a reflection of God's character. Love is the greatest commandment, and love is a reflection of God's character. Love comes from God, and those who love, we, we are demonstrating some connection with Him. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Walk in love as Christ loved us. You should be walking around trying to love others as you have been loved. How did God love you? While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for you. It's a sacrificial love. It is a selfless love, not a selfish love. It is seeking the good of others, not the good of self. Do you love the people in your own family? Do you love people in your own home? Do you? Who do you love? Where is your love? Now, for me, today, the lectionary reading gives me a passage about love, and all I could think about is, oh, boy, this passage is about debate, 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 debate. And I almost wanted to, like, if I was going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about the debate, but I don't want to talk about the debate. I want to talk about this idea, hey, it's not an old, it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment, but it's new in the sense that we are to love and we are to do so in light of Jesus Christ. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord God and love your neighbor. Love is a reflection of God's character. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which would despitefully use you and persecute you. The greatest commandment is to love. Love is a reflection of God's character and we are to love our enemies and love even those who would hurt us. 
Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, to pray for them. This is a kind of love that goes beyond natural affection. See, we're not to love like everyone else loves. We're called to a different kind of love. To quote a famous lyric, we are called to a higher love. We are called to a higher love. We don't love according to natural affection. We're to love our enemies. So when I see Christians at maybe a pride event or wherever yelling and screaming, you're, you're, well, they're the enemies of God. Well, you are to love your enemies. Doesn't mean you excuse sin, but you are to, where's love? Look, if two Christians are supposed to love their enemies, the cr- Christian home life, Christian marriage should be the greatest, actual greatest thing in the history of humankind. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. You're to love uh, your enemy. You're to love your So even if you start finding yourself hating each other, you still should be a house full of love because you're supposed to love even your enemy. The Christian marriage is supposed to be the greatest institution ever put forth on earth. You're, you're supposed to love your enemy. You're supposed to love them just normally, right? You love them above. That's the greatest commandment. So the greatest thing you should be seeking to do is love. Oh, wait a minute. You should be doing so to reflect God's character. Oh, and by the way, you're to love even your enemy. So even if there's anger, there should just be love should override the anger. That's what you're called to do. Now, we're not always going to do this perfectly. I understand that. But that's what we should be pursuing. And sometimes I think we're pursuing everything else in Christianity other than this. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Romans 12. Verse 14. Bless them. This is Romans 12 verse 14. I wanted to to read... uh, Ah, I could, I could, I mean, I could read this entire section. Let's just go back to verse 12, uh, uh, verse nine, Romans 12, nine. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another, or as the King James says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. You should always be putting the other person before yourself. That's the kind of love we're called to. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Give it to hospitality. You should be willing to give and distribute to anyone who has a need. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. When someone, when someone is doing something to you, your response should be to bless them. Not to curse. Not to get mad. Not to threaten. You rejoice with them that rejoice and you weep with them that weep. Someone is rejoicing, you rejoice with them. If they're weeping, you weep with them because it's not about you. You make it about someone else. You be of the same mind, one towards another. Mind not high things, be con- but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own eyes. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You don't avenge yourself. You don't fight back. You don't, you are to respond with love. Blessing because you're to love even your enemy, even the one who hurts you. 
Therefore, if your enemy is hunger, uh, hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire in his head. Be not overcome of evil, but be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the life of a believer is we seek a higher love, not, not one of natural affection, a spiritual love where we are loving even those who hate us. The greatest commandment is to love. Love is a reflection of God's character, and we are to love even our enemies and those who would harm us. Here's another one. How about John 15? How about John 15? How about John 15, verse 13? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus exemplifies the greatest form of love by laying down his life. We are to love in a sacrificial way. Is your love sacrificial or is your love self-seeking? Do you love to get or do you love in a sacrificial way? Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Verse 3. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be also in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. How much are you willing to lay down of yourself for someone else's benefit? How much is your love truly sacrificial? Now, I could go much further here. But I'll just stop right there. And first John, we hear this. There's a old commandment. There's a new commandment. And that commandment is there's a don't, if you hate your brother, that's darkness. If you love, you're in light. You're connected with God. You're, you, that's, that's, you're showing yourself connected to his commandments and to God because you, we are called to love our brother. And if we look at the scriptures, we find that the greatest commandment of all The absolute greatest commandment of all is to love God and to love our neighbor, to love others. That is the greatest commandment. People will get excommunicated. People will get in trouble. People will get church discipline. People will get yelled at. There will be scandal. And it's never because they didn't love. It'll always be because of something else, because we don't elevate love, I think, to where it's supposed to be. Love is a reflection of God's character. Do people see God's character in us because they see how much we love not only others, how we love them? We are to love even our enemies and those who harm us because we do not pursue a natural a love based off natural affection, but of supernatural affection, a higher love. And then our love is called to be sacrificial a sacrificial love where we lay down ourselves for others. It is so easy for us to miss out 
on love because we're fighting doctrine and having hermeneutical disputes. We must fight over doctrine sometimes. We must have these doctrinal disputes. But you know what? Sometimes when you can't figure out everything a verse is trying to say, typically you can figure out at least something that it says. And in this case, we can understand. I'm going to just read it again. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, I'm going to read it in a different translation. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we should know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I'm not writing unto you a new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word you have heard, yet I am writing you a new commandment, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness unto now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in darkness, walks in darkness, and doesn't know where he is going because he is darkness, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. There's a stark contrast between hate and love, and we are called to love. Now, we fall short of this. We know that. This should convict us, and it should make us realize that we need to pursue love, and we need to develop a right kind of love and acknowledge when we don't. Thank goodness that someone did love correctly, and that's Jesus Christ. He loved perfectly, and by faith in him, his perfect love is imputed to my account. So then I do fulfill the commandment to love, but only in Christ. But practically, I must pursue this. So let me ask you, how is your love life today? How are you loving your family, your spouse? Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not so very good at this. I love myself. I love my wants. I love my desires. Oh, I want to believe that I sacrificially can love. I want to believe that. I try to pursue that. Self gets in the way. See, whenever we try to pursue a selfless, sacrificing kind of love where we love even our enemies and we do all the things that we've talked about in this 38 minutes of discussion. There's something in you and me that says, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Love yourself. Think about yourself. Think about how you feel. Think about what you want. Get upset. Get mad. Respond. Be rude. Respond sarcastically. Make threats. Do whatever you got to do because it's you, 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 you. And I will say, you can never truly. I think there's. I think this is true, and and you you may disagree with this, but I think there's a level of truth to this. You can never love someone else in a sacrificial kind of higher 
way until you have died to self. Death to self must precede love for others. It it must come before love of others. Death to self must come, must happen before you can love others. Now, you will love others. It just will not be a perfect love. It'll be a love based off natural affection. And natural affection is you love most likely to get. You love because of what you gain from it. You love because you benefit from it. And once you stop benefiting from it, you're not getting what you want from it. It's not doing, then guess what you do? You get frustrated and you get angry and you get upset. And you will pursue that which will give you what you want. We're all guilty of it. I may be more guilty of it than you. Don't let theological and doctrinal dispute blind you for what scripture clearly gives you. The lectionary reading today is 1 John 2, 3 through 11. May it benefit you to meditate on it. Now, I would challenge you now, this evening, sometime, hop on the Sermons 2.0 app, type in 1 John 2, 3 through 11, and see if it if you can find it would just pick a message randomly and as you listen to the message do they emphasize the love part or do they emphasize all of the theological disputes about who's saved and who's not saved how do they how do they approach it all right you can email me newsif at yahoo.com that's newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com thanks for listening Everyone have a great Friday evening. You have a great holiday weekend in front of you. I hope it's filled with fun, food, friends, family. Hope you have a wonderful time. If for some reason you're in a situation where it may be depressing, discouraging, lonely, whatever, email me and if I possible, I will do more broadcasting so that you have something to listen to to get your mind off your situation onto something better. You can already start the Sermons 2.0 Sermon App Challenge. That's an easy thing to do to help keep you busy. There's a Bible pop quiz. Uh, I don't don't know if anyone's even turned in their pop quiz yet. There's a Bible pop quiz, and uh, you got the lectionary to do. So, yeah, fill your mind with these other things. And I would say light your Advent wreath is what I would say to at least finish out this weekend. But I can't light my Advent wreath because it caught on fire in this studio the other night. It went and I thought for a minute, everything was going up in flames. And I'm glad the studio is going to be destroyed. My house is going to burn to the ground and I may die trying to get out of here. But I got the fire out. Everything is okay. Everything is okay. All right. So find something to keep you occupied if you are in that situation. Hopefully you're not. 
Hopefully your situation with family and you got friends and food and you're just having a great time. If you have that, please listen to me. Get the most from it. Don't waste a second of it and be grateful because others do not. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.